Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is finally back from the dark and has reached its climax. Oh, I'm boy. Alex. When you travel in the dark and then you're like, was oh, that a little darker over there? Let me go check out the darker place. And you get there and you're like, yep, this is dark. That's where we are right now. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about, as very cleverly teased by me in the opening there, Riverdale Chapter 77. <laughs> wow. wow. Climax. I, I mean, so, I nailed it. I just want wow. to put that out there. Wow. Yo, just before we get started, I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> because so I nailed it. Yeah. So this is an interesting episode. I think everybody is aware of this, but we kind of can review anyway. This is technically the season five premiere of Riverdale, uh, but the large majority of it was filmed as season four, episode 20. They weren't able to finish it. I've seen different reports. There was either two thirds or three quarters or some, most of the episode was filmed. And then they came back uh, in uh, October, I think something like that, whenever they were allowed to start filming again. Uh, and then they finished off the episode. So the first three episodes we're going to see here on the season, ostensibly with some tweaks because they had a lot more time to write on everything are the end of season four rather than the beginning of season five. So uh, that, that's all set up to say, before we get into it, before we get into the recap, before anything, this is in a little bit of an odd duck place with, a season premiere, you want usually want to be like, here's the table setting. Here's what's going on. Here are the challenges for the season. Remember these characters? This is Archie. He's the guy with the red hair. But we're jumping right into it here. And not only are we jumping right into it, we're also getting a Katie Keene crossover. Very yeah. sadly, months yeah. after the show was actually canceled, this was supposed it, to air at the same time. That um, crossover hits different now. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But uh, I'm so glad that, they still did it. It was, it was great. It would have been Kelly. weird if they cut K.O. Kelly out of the episode. Yeah, he's an important part. Though we, Archie could have boxed like just uh, a version of himself, and I would have been like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Just a couple of lugs. Yeah. I'll roll with that. Uh, so that all said, I mean, that I'm putting all those caveats out there because uh, we can't really treat this like a normal season premiere of Riverdale. But how'd you feel? Uh, broad strokes, like, what was your feeling seeing this back after so many months? Well, I take your point that it is weird because it's definitely picking up. We never had a resolution all of our plot threads. But I would argue so much happens in every episode of Riverdale that it's yeah. not that odd in a season premiere to be like, <laughs> remember all this stuff? It's still happening. Here's all these details. Mm -hmm. And just make, moving at that breakneck pace. So, like... I think it totally works as a premiere, and um, the fact that it's we've been away so long, I, I don't feel any rust on the old Riverdale uh, wheels here. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree a little bit with Zalvin because it's like, normally with my Riverdale... It's not about agreeing, I was just stating facts. Shut up, Zalvin, I'm talking. So when <laughs> oh, it's oh, like... back into it. New uh, tone, new tone with this. 
<laughs> when we're trying to like Riverdale ramps up and then goes hard, you know, mm-hmm. but usually that first episode, it gives you a little bit of a table setting. And because Riverdale is breakneck, I wasn't ready. Like right out of the box, it was like, boom, oh, boom, boom. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I'm also not ready because I knew what was coming. And so mm-hmm. I was dreading where we are. But uh, it's great to have it back. Uh, I wasn't ready for all that happened in this episode. It's also really nice that the the reveals at the end of last season of the masked um, video uh, people, like, <laughs> that's the scariest shit they've done yeah. in the series, I think. And to pick what? back up at the top of this season with that, I was like, whoo, it just like gets you. Right in the spine. There was, uh, ca- there's been cannibalism. There have been like flying babies over campfires. How is this like? They Cheryl was hanging out with a dead body for a long time. This is just visually, visually mm-hmm. creepy. We don't know who these people are, though. I have my suspicions. And the uh, the way that it we jump into it right at the start of this episode, I thought was just perfectly unsettling. Let's. Before we get too much into the episode, we'll walk through the whole thing, of course. Uh, let's do brief, if possible, bit of recap. Certainly, there's a lot of things we need to know. And As Al- so just, so you, just so you all know, Alex has been working on this for six months. He's been working on this recap <laughs> for six this months. Is, I, wrote, I, I definitely wrote everything down. This is not off the top of my head or anything like that. This is very carefully scripted. So I'm wow. sure there's nothing I'm going to forget. The big mystery of the season, uh, there's actually been two mysteries. In the middle of the season, there was a whole thing where Jughead went to... Stonewall Prep. That was ostensibly wrapped up at the end of episode 16, I believe. But we do get a tease of that again, uh, specifically from Brett Weston Wallace, who is his main antagonist there, is now in prison. He is somebody who is very involved in stealing videotapes, taking videotapes of people. And that's what we've been slowly teasing out through the course of the season, uh, thanks to a villain initially called the Voyeur, now called the Auteur, uh, officially as of this episode. Um, I guess it's an open question whether they're the same thing, whether they're different people. Riverdale certainly hasn't been afraid of having multiple people playing the same villain before, but we can discuss that in a little bit. As it is, the voyeur started off just kind of taking footage of people's doorways, slowly moving into their houses, doing creepy stuff there. And then the auteur has moved it on into restaging, sort of sweeting, if you will. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Alex has been taking a film class in the offseason. I have. I've had a lot of time. I took it at the University of Phoenix. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. How'd yes. you travel all the way out there? Uh, virtually. So the auteur has been uh, redoing these things. As Justin mentioned, they've been wearing masks of the main characters in the show and repeating uh, significant things that have happened in the show. Like we saw Jason Blossom's murder. Um, we saw some of the Hal Cooper Black Hood stuff, other things like that. Basically, whatever is most traumatizing for our main characters, they have seen through the auteur. And the last thing that happened before we left off is it certainly looked like in the episode Killing Mr. Honey, they killed Mr. Honey. Uh, in, uh, yeah. As it turns out, this episode, we're jumping ahead a little bit. He's alive and fine, which is kind of surprising and sort of tossed offhand. Uh, but that was uh, definitely the big thing that we were left on. It looked like they were all stabbing him based on a story that Jughead had wrote. Uh, so they've been investigating that. Tied into the investigation is a video store called Blue Velvet, of course, based on the David Lynch film. The guy who owns it is also named David. Looks like David Lynch. Talks Acts like, like David, David Lynch. Sounds uh, like David Lynch. 
if it's not David Lynch, it, it should be. This show yeah. is saying that David Lynch killed people, basically. Well, right now he's doing weather reports to YouTube, and that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's ter- terrifying, but so lucrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's probably getting a lot of ad revenue off of that. Uh, uh, so that's what's been going on with the auteur voyeur storyline, uh, all of those things being delivered as VHS tapes. Um, we'll talk more about that as we get into the episode. Uh, let's move over to the will? romantic side of things. Yes, Pete. Yes. We're going we're gonna to get into VHS versus like you feel like they should have DVD players. Is that what you're... I mean, Beta I'm Max. not going to harp on it too much other than the next half hour or so. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward They should to have that. released it on vinyl, man. That's yeah, the, way. the sound is Come better. On. It sounds better. Uh, so let's move over to the romantic side of things. The big thing that went down is during the this year's Hedwig and the Angry Inch, not musical, but talent show. It was a little confusing to explain it that way. But it was quite it was. musical. Yeah. Uh, Betty and Archie kissed. And after that, Archie wrote a song for Betty called Carry the Torch, which she stopped him from finish singing and said, no, listen, I love Jughead, my boyfriend. You love Veronica, your girlfriend. We can't do this. Let's move on. And the next episode, everything was fine and they didn't refer to it at all. Yes, Justin. Great recap. But to call it just a kiss is uh, (laughs) diminishing at the very least. It was the origin of love. It was like seeing a a flower Mm -hmm. bloom right in front of your eyes. Like a Projecting rocketing that past the sky. It was uh, it was a moment. It was a moment. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of describing it. Uh, and then the I, vaccine I, for the coronavirus was born <laughs> in our brains. In that, I, I would say it wasn't as beautiful as maybe somebody hanging upside down from a, like trapeze and kissing somebody. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, that is a very specific thing about something that happened between you and Justin in your past. Let's not move well, on. To be fair, it's not between <laughs> Pete and I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it certainly felt Justin that way the amount of times Pete has brought it up. I'm just True. saying. It was a big moment for Pete watching me um, kiss a stranger um, upside down <laughs> a trapeze swing. Uh, this is confusing for everybody in the middle of our recap. Uh, let's talk about the specific stuff uh, with everybody You're else. Welcome. So Veronica, the, one of the main things she's been dealing with uh, is that her father, Hiram, has a degenerative Generative muscular disorder. We find out how that is cured this episode. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Archie has been everything. managing a gym called El Royale uh, and has been interested in joining the Navy after school, specifically boxing for the Navy and getting a full ride scholarship on that. Uh, he kind of moved away from that a little bit due to various things going on in his world. Uh, but we loop back to that this episode. And uh, Cheryl and Tony are dating. I think that's yes. the main thing you need to know about them wow. going into this episode, uh, because nothing else uh, really ties into other things. Uh, should we jump into it? I'm sure we'll cover more things. We should talk about Charles. Um, sure. Who is um, uh, Betty's oh. brother who works for the FBI, and it likes to involve teenagers in his investigations. Right. Yes. We should also talk about, you should recap all of Katie Keene so people get the crossover. No problem. She's a fashion designer dating a guy named K.O. Kelly, the Ed. Oh, come on. <laughs> I did that while you were taking a sip, so you couldn't object too much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. I, I mean, we, uh, this takes place five years earlier than Katie Keene. So the main things you need to know are the same things that we've seen on Riverdale, which is that Veronica is friends with Katie Keene from back in New York. Katie is dating a boxer named K.O. Kelly. Uh, and that's what pops up this episode. None of the other things that happened on Katie Keene have happened yet. So let's jump into it. This is a little note, but I'll, I'll tell you what, on the whole season premiere thing, 
I was so happy to hear previously on Riverdale again with the music behind yeah. it. That that was great. Yeah. And just across the board, I thought this episode was really well made just across the board. The sequence um, where they're at the rave that we're going to talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. was just really beautifully made, I thought. What? And uh, it was great. That was so fucking creepy. What are you talking about? That's yeah, what I'm talking about. Creepy and beautifully made, Pete. That's what I, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like this episode had so much tension um, mm-hmm. that I think the show – the show always has tension, but it's rare always. to see it really extended um, across different plot lines. And they did a great job of that here. Uh, just a great episode to come back on, despite the sort of middle of the story uh, moments that we had. Well, and in fact, we start in what we assume is the auteur's cabin, the place that's been his or her base of operations. Um, Mr. Honey is fine. As I mentioned, we find out very casually, which is surprising uh, to me. Yeah. Um, and in fact, nobody tried to kill him at all. So he had no idea of what was going on. Um, also we get the detail and I don't know if this is true, but only Betty and Jughead knew about the story killing Mr. Honey. So I know we're jumping right into theories here, but that to me seems a very big clue. There has to be somebody they're leaving out there that had access to that story, right? Exactly. Uh, Yes. I mean, I have my pick, uh, on that, um, the theory I've been pushing for a while that Jelly Bean is, um, perhaps behind these, uh, this whole thing. And I think there's, there's, there's a lot of evidence for that in this episode. And I think that is specifically she has access because it's in their house. Yeah. I was like, you walk away from this, uh, this episode and you were kind of like scratching your head, like, is Jelly Bean been masterminding this whole thing? I think so. That's been a working theory on this podcast for quite some time. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we also get a neat little very Riverdale note where they find these tickets that have B and V on them. And Betty immediately says, Betty and Veronica? Uh, <laughs> I thought that was very strange. Like, especially <laughs> Betty's like, yeah. you know, like investigating. They're all, Bughead's always investigating. They're like, clue. And she's like, Betty and Veronica, that seems so. I'm one of those letters. It's like, what? <laughs> well, I, I think given the fact that this uh, villain is wearing masks that look like them, it's not entirely without uh, out of the realm of possibility, you know? True. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to when the meta mask thing is done. That really kind of pulls me out of the story because it's like they're wearing masks that look like from the comic book, like old school. So it, it kind of... It gets a little too meta for me. And not I love for that. nothing, I mean, not to jump back to the previous point, but my name is Alexander Zalbin, and I think it's pretty fucked up that Arizona uses my initials. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Wow. Every time AZ's in the news, you're like, what? Yeah. Oh, me? Arizona. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> uh, but it turns out it's actually for Blue Velvet. That's what Jughead figures out very quickly. Um, and they realize that David... The video store owner who is super creepy has probably something to do with everything that's going on. Um, just a little note here. I liked going back to here. Uh, that felt like a one-off weirdness in Riverdale episode, but I'm glad they're looping back to this location because I think it's a fun one for the show. I agree. And it it just adds to the map of like the CD places that we all have gone to throughout the, the Riverdale uh, world, the white worm and all that, all that stuff like this. I could picture this in like a little um, like strip mall on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. It's great. I uh, completely disagree. I want them to burn that whole video store to the ground. It's way too creepy to exist. You're more of a streaming service guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. You want them to go log on to some sort of. Uh, yeah, I Netflix. don't think it's. I don't think it's cool to have underground like snuff film raves where people are dying and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you don't but, think that's cool? <laughs> I don't, no, huh. I don't think that's cool. Well, let me take you out on a little ride, Pete. You're gonna see some great <laughs> snuff film raids. raids. No, no, thanks. This is a fun fact. Not a lot of people know this, but back in the 90s, uh, Pete was arrested for burning down many blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He single-handedly uh, created Netflix. So <laughs> you're welcome. That's why Netflix is colored red. It's because of all the fire. <laughs> the blockbuster <laughs> fires. Yes. Uh, Archie uh, went running, comes back. Veronica is waiting in his room for him. Uh, and then we get... I'll say this. The Varchi storyline in this episode was, I think, the absolute best part of the episode. So well done. So emotional. Loved how KJ Appa and Camilla Mendes played it. And to your point, Justin, her pulling out Carrie the Torch and being like, I found this song you wrote. My heart stopped at that point. Yeah. 100%. And like... I um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this about my sort of commentary on Riverdale. I'm sort of a Barchi guy. Oh, really? Uh, but uh, is that yeah. did that happen during the break, or is that new? <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it's just been slowly happening, slowly oh, evolving, okay. slowly growing, blossoming. Uh, but Screw in you. my don't heart. bring Cheryl into this. <laughs> um, but when you see the look on Archie's face, is he sees his girlfriend who he loves, and I do think he does love Veronica, and he's terrified of her <laughs> because. Uh, she, you know that that deep down they she knows they both know this song is going to ruin this, and it's just you know that feeling when you're in a relationship you're like oh I don't think this is going to work out, and once that you have that feeling it just it's like a rot mm-hmm. in your body until you either break up or solve resolve it or something like that. Yeah, and it's worse because Veronica doesn't see it coming. Archie. Yes. It's coming, crashing straight towards him, and he does not know what to do. He doesn't know the right thing to do at this point. Um, awful. And his answer to her being like, no, I, I stink. I'm a terrible songwriter. Let me throw that oh. in the garbage. Here we go. The, oh. fact, that, the fact that when he, she saw that song, he wasn't like, I kiss Betty right away. Oh, God. <laughs> I, uh, stop first. He can't hold secrets. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm glad that he finally came clean. But I, I think Veronica knew... As soon as she uh, saw the song, I think she knew what was up because she put it out there in a way that got the reaction. I I think I I don't think so. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe somewhere deep down she had an inkling in the back of her brain. Um, but I don't but think if she you, put it together. The, the, what happens over the course of the rest of the episode, yeah. she is stunned by what happens. Yeah, it's just but, like you, an emotional pin. She put a little pin in like, huh, that was a weird reaction. Bing. Yeah. But like the fact that if you read the lyrics to the song, you know it's not about you. It's, it's She knows it's not about her. So I think she there's well, no. a little. Let's, let's sing the song and see if there's anything that sticks out. <laughs> okay, sure, sure, sure. Carry yeah, the go. torch. I love Betty. Betty, my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, Not exactly. Veronica, Betty, the neighbor in the window. Kiss, kiss. I kiss Betty. <laughs> Her last name's Cooper. I want to be specific. <laughs> Don't tell my friend Jughead. He'll be mad. <laughs> doop, exactly doop, my doop. point. <laughs> this is a true song. Want to be clear about that, too. Anyway, it's a really beautiful song. Uh, so Archie, uh, she gets a call. He's like, oh, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to join me in the shower. They have a sweet kiss. So he's kind of blowing past the whole carry the torch thing, carry, carrying on as if things are normal. Uh, she gets called away by the lodges. Uh, we get, 
I, again, very funny exchange, I thought, uh, where she comes in and is like, oh, what are you going to tell me? You're chaperoning the problem? And he's like, well, yes, but anyway, moving on to the second order of business. It's good. Just dropping in some details that will become important later. Because the second order of business is crazy also. It's also crazy that, you know, if you go out and beat people, that it can cure cancer and then, you know, do a lot of amazing things. Well, he doesn't have cancer. Him. He has an unspecified degenerative muscular disorder. That gets better when you beat people in the street? Yes. I wow. think I, if I was to, to venture yes, a guess, I think perhaps rightly, there are certain members of the Riverdale fan base that would be furious that this sort of thing was not treated seriously at all. Um, but I think the way that they do treat it is completely within the realm of fantasy. They didn't say he had a very specific disorder. It wasn't yeah. something that they were trying to treat they were it trying to treat very... an emotional storyline for Veronica, uh, but not in, in a serious way. And we knew, to get back to the Katie Keene of all, he shows up in the season one finale and he's fine. So we know he's going to survive. And there's a lot of speculation uh, amongst us and everyone, like, is he faking it for some mm-hmm. purpose? So, like, I mean, we still don't have an answer on that. We just know that he is yeah, but... continues to be jacked and is continuing <laughs> to fight in the streets. He's just getting larger. It just felt like a very soap opera thing to do, where it was like, I'm going to die. No, I'm cured. It was just like... Yes. I'm starting to think this show might be purposefully dramatic. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Other than that documentary, which is the Carry the Torch song, I, I think I'm on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's what's going on with Hiram. Uh, Veronica calls the doc just to check. Very smart move there. Again, Veronica, I think uh, MVP of this episode, but she's like, okay, fine. Hiram's doing good. Let's move on. Uh, and then we get a very quick scene. The blue velvet guy, David is being questioned, says he doesn't know anything. And Charles is like, well, I guess he doesn't know anything. Oh my God. <laughs> that's just, this that's just detective at being an FBI agent. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, Betty is questioning her own source, who is Miss Bell, who is uh, livid that Betty's like, what are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> Do I sell snuff films? What What is going on? It, well, and that's what th- this whole episode, Betty, I feel like was sort of off her game when it comes to uh, I don't know if it was a purposeful thing or if it was just like sort of moving through the story. But yeah, when she accuses the secretary of making stuff films, it was like, what? And Betty even was like, I don't know. Uh, I'm just uh, out here on the streets. And then just Weatherby, falling up leaves. Weatherby walks in and it's like, oh yeah, you were involved in a cult and he's back and a little off. And Betty, even that's like unsettling for Betty. It was like, my two favorite lines for Weatherby where she's like, oh, you're back. And he's like, yes, just in time for senior prom and graduation. Two of the three episodes at the end of this season. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then I also, I really did like the delivery on the line where she asks how he's doing. And he says, well, I make it through most nights without screaming. And then smiles and leaves. (laughs) That was good, too. Uh, Again, the whole, this whole episode was so unsettling. And that interaction was like, wait, what are we supposed to take away from this? (laughs) Uh, I agree with you to get back to the Betty of the Jughead uh, investigation this episode. I mean, I don't think there was anything crazy out of character or anything like that. But yes, Betty is very unsettled. She is doing the regular delving into her darkness thing that she does that kind of throws her off her game. We'll get to this later. Jughead does my least favorite thing, which, mind you, is consistent with what he has done throughout the show, where his investigation technique is yelling at people until they confess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very Archie. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's the archer, Archie of investigations, I think. Yeah. Uh, so let me go over to Archie's storyline, speaking of which. Uh, the Commandant comes in. Uh, he gets a tour of El Royale. He's very impressed. Uh, and he mentions, though, that because Archie deferred, he started looking out for, out for some other candidates. Specifically, he got somebody in Queens. Uh, Veronica proposes they do a boxing match to determine who gets the spot in the Naval Academy. <laughs> Commandant is like, great, that's how we do things in the Navy. Uh, and then reveals that it's K.O. Kelly. Pete, as the number one KO Kelly stan on the internet, how'd you feel about this? I thought it was glorious, and so uh, it worked. In this insane world, it works. Like, why not? Um, if Archie is going to, uh, d- you know, do this, why not? He has to go up against KO Kelly, and I really like how they handled KO Kelly. I was very worried about him coming into this insane world because he is this kind of like, uh, you know, savant and is is pure in a way. So I really liked how they handled him, and him and Archie together were very adorable. Uh, and also, Veronica and K.O. had a little chemistry. Whoa. Oh, Sell it wow. out, Katie Keen, Pete. I didn't expect that right at the end there. And now, Pete, do you you like that, that K.O. Veronica Well, chemistry? I mean, clearly Archie... Um, uh, and Veronica aren't working. I mean, Archie's blown it twice now, so I feel like, you know, uh, Veronica's... getting a little choked up there? You're getting a little yeah, raspy. Are you crying? Are you, <laughs> are you crying? <clears throat> I the wasn't K- ready for this episode. The, everyone knows the K and KO stands for chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised how much KO Kelly there was in this episode. Yeah. Me too. And yeah. the fact that, that Archie... I mean, it points to sort of the nature of the foursome of the show, but the fact that the closest relationship Archie has in this episode is with the KO. Like yeah. they like straight up bond. They're like really connecting. Lugs. Yeah. They have a sleepover. It's very yeah. cute. It's very cute. Um, they get to really be shirtless together, which I know is Archie's can main we, form of bonding. Do, do you want to talk about the fight later or can we go through the whole thing now since we're talking about it? Um, yeah, let's go through bit by bit. I think we're walking through this episode because things jump around so much versus breaking off the storylines. Um, but uh, now, what would happen if your partner was like, "Oh, I have a solution. Why don't you fight this very strong man?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it. Yeah, cool. Good to yeah. and let him stay over and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole time. I do anything oh. anybody asked me to do. Oh, that's wow. nice. Yeah, that's uh, a weird. Cl- oh, I know, P. Alex. Why don't you guys resolve this with a boxing match where you fight each other? <laughs> To the death, I guess. I mean, I, I'm into it. Whatever you right. want, Justin, you asked. And then whoever finish, whoever wins is the ultimate KO stand. Uh, wow. So uh, let's jump over to Cheryl and Tony. We get our first Cheryl and Tony scene here. They yeah, are selling tickets to Tony. the prom. Uh, very fun scene. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Classic uh, Where show. Cheryl is like, I want to be prom queen. Tony doesn't quite understand why it's important, uh, but it's like, you know what? I'll back you up, whatever, all good. Uh, and then Kevin comes up, and Fangs really wants to be uh, prom kings together, and Cheryl just completely shuts him down. Tony is like, I wouldn't do yeah. that, <laughs> which is very funny. Uh, just, I think everybody was very fun in this scene. Um, and it was also... I thought not for nothing. I know there was a whole thing during the break with Vanessa Morgan very rightly speaking out about her part on the show and how she felt she was treated. They clearly resolved it amicably behind the scenes. Um, I don't. I don't think it affected this episode because they had already shot most of it. I expect 
what we're going to see with Tony going forward is really going to be episode four. But even in this early going, it was nice to see coming back into the season and feeling like, okay, Tony gets to do some stuff where normally in the scene, it would be like Cheryl goes nuts. Tony rolls her eyes and says, babe. And that's pretty much it. But this felt like a more expanded and reasonable version of that in terms of the dialogue. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. And the story I thought was, uh, was nice um, for them throughout the episode. Uh, yeah, it was I, almost I like respectfully disagree, and I have some issues with it that we'll get into later. Well, Great. okay, uh, but I thought it was nice that we did get to kind of sit in their moment where they were kind of talking about their relationship, and I felt like yeah. both both had like clear things that we could get get behind, and I thought it worked. What I liked about it is they were actually being honest with each other by the end of it, and yeah. they it felt like they were dealing with stuff as opposed to most of the Shoni Chopaz scenes are just like. What do we need to do? Eh, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then it, also, it was more fleshed out, at least. Yeah. I like the reveal that Tony was like, I want to be the Serpent Queen. So mm-hmm. it was fun. There you go. Yeah. Coming for Jughead's crown. He's going down. Yeah. Uh, then Riverdale logo. Then, after all that, we are half an hour into this podcast and we were just up to... That was the cold open, everybody. Title sequence, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the next shot is the kiss of death when I my heart broke. Is it was the shot of the banana split and then Archie and Veronica behind it, so you know it's it's over. Mm. Uh, really reading the you're sort of an, unlike uh, you're not a tarot card reader, you're a dessert reader, mm-hmm. right? That and shot saw- is it was foreshadowing. It was telling us what was going to happen. I bet we could figure out who the auteur is, uh, whoever is eating a Vermonster. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy. That's good. Thanks. That's really, you, you got a great lexicon of dessert, uh, terrifying I, I can, dessert options. I can do this all day, to quote wow. Captain America. Uh, so Archie and Veronica's pops, as mentioned, uh, she's booked the suite of the Five seasons. Then we get KO officially entering. Uh, we've kind of touched on this, but they have a fun scene together. KO's Play very nice, boys. Be- I, I love Chaos Live. There was a lot of explanation and just dismission, dismissive uh, explanation in this episode in a very fun Riverdale way where he's like, I don't even think we're in the same weight class. And they're like, well, anyway, moving on. No big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Chaos going to stay at Archie's. Uh, and then Jughead's source is revealed. They go and they visit Brett in prison. Uh, now, how, Pete, I, I when this scene popped up, I felt like you had to not be happy, right? You didn't want to oh, see Brett no. again. No, no. But it's nice to know that, and I don't know what the timeline is, but he dies a horrible death, which is great to know that that happens. Wait, what are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, the not crossover with um, uh, Sabrina? Sabrina, Chilling yeah. Adventures oh, of Sabrina. Right. Yes. No, that does, that's a different continuity. If you didn't watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, Brett and uh, that's Donna canon. and Joan all showed up as the Stone Philosophers, a band over on the last part of Sabrina, and were horribly murdered. Um, that's a different continuity, Pete. It still counts. Okay. Pete can dream. Uh, I like the scene quite a bit. I like them using him as a source in prison. I also like the threat of War Baby being in prison and Brett's reaction there. I thought that was all fun, and yeah. I do hope they keep him around for a while. because I He think that's hates preppies. Yeah. I feel like the amount of people they've thrown in prison, they could form... I know we've been asking for this for since, like, season two. But they could definitely form a legion of doom in prison with all the villains they put away. Well, and there do a lot of scenes where it's like, well, let me go talk to the person we caught last season or a couple episodes <laughs> ago, see if they know. And they're like, yeah, I know. 
And I'll tell you what, I don't like being locked up, but here's what you got to do to solve the next part of this mystery. <laughs> uh, and he fills them in that David has, in fact, been running uh, what are called red band screenings. They're like immersive raves. Where he Is that like Redbox? Yeah, it's like Redbox. It's the same okay, sort cool. of thing. No, it's like a red band trailer. Right. Uh-uh, so you can bad. say fuck in the trailer and it's not a big deal. And you only show it before R-rated movies. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, Again, so, you're pushing that anti-blockbuster message, Pete. Just pushing that red box life. Uh, so the other thing that they find out is in order to get access, they're going to need a real snuff film. So they're like, hmm, we got a couple of ideas there. We'll oh, my then. God. The fact that Betty's like, yo, I just got to stop off at the house. I got a couple extra snuff films I can break. Yeah. Great. That was insane. So yeah. uh, then we cut back to the Archie storyline. Mr. Keller is concerned about KO, uh, but thinks Archie is stronger so they make a little side bet to psych KO out, and then we get a workout contest montage. KO can't do as many sit-ups. He can't do as many pull-ups or push-ups. Archie, in fact, is stronger. And uh, they yeah, very but you know what KO can do? Afterwards. What? What, you know can, what KO what can, can beat the shit out of Archie? So <laughs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit out of many sit-ups you can do? When it comes to fight time, you're getting your ass handed to you. Well, it helps that KO is truly so much larger than Archie. Archie's yes. just a tight little package, so he's doing what he can do to win that <laughs> sit-up match. Justin, you love tight packages. It's 100%. <laughs> Oh, man. That was like uh, uh, you uh, setting it up and him KOing you right there. That's 100% Ooh. right. So uh, they go to the Steen Room, uh, refer to themselves as the heavyweight heartbreaker and the Red Hope. Oh, my God. Come on. And then another great, just weird Riverdale line where... Archie says, hey, we're going to throw a little party for you at Veronica's speakeasy. And K.O.'s reaction of her, what? <laughs> was great. <laughs> great. Very funny. It's great. I mean, again, kudos to the show. They bring in outside characters, and the outside characters are as shocked about the story of Riverdale <laughs> as we, the audience, are. Yeah, yeah I mean, we fun. make this, this joke a lot, but it's like, K.O.'s like, yeah, I've been watching Riverdale for several seasons, but even I can't believe that you have a speakeasy here. <laughs> I'm uh, so on another show called Katie Keene that just got canceled. Anyway, I'll be ready to fight you in a couple minutes. Uh, Jughead makes the stuff film. Cheryl initially is like, no, I would never do that. And then they say, what about that video of Jason Blossom uh, being murdered? She's like, all right, yes, absolutely, I will. But they can't recognize me because of my signature red hair. She wears a ridiculous wig. Reggie is in a gimp suit. There's no way this is going to work. Like, seeing this, it's no very way. funny, but there is no way in a million years they were ever going to be fooled. Yes. And I, I mean, do think the way that the fact that that's what happens so quickly, I think, is great because it's such an odd, it again reinforces the fact that Bughead is off in their schemes and scams. And I guess, sort of, on all gears here they're not just not quite functioning because this is so well, crazy the problem is jughead it seemed like was directing it if you were going to do it right you have dark betty direct the shit out of this and mm -hmm. people would think it was real and they'll be like snuff film you just made the video from the ring and everyone's dying in seven days <laughs> uh then we get the seed i'm sure the one that we really want to talk about here veronica welcomes everybody to laban nui says i'm gonna sing a song for you and she sings carry the torch and uh, the note i wrote down in all caps is it's very uncomfortable <laughs> yes truth and you can see Betty just trying to play it cool and looking yeah. at Archie like, 
what the fuck is this dude? <laughs> yeah, like, yo, dude, what the fuck are you doing over there? You, she's covering your song already? You haven't even released it as a single. This Everybody's reactions here, and they made sure to get everybody's reaction shots. I think K.O. was like, yeah, this is cool. Wow, songs. I love songs. Uh, Jughead is pretty into it. Um, Veronica, of course, is singing it. But Betty, as you mentioned, just staring at Archie. Archie staring at Betty, but also to try not to look at each other yeah. at the same well, time. Yeah, it was very, very well done. Do you think Archie was like, oh, my God, Veronica's carrying a torch for Betty, too? <laughs> this song is crazy. Did she write this song? This song is crazy. Uh, but good song. So it was nice to hear it. Uh, and then uh, we were, this is clearly like the earlier scene. Archie was trying to push past it. Here, he can't do it anymore. They're in the parking lot. K.O. heads out. Archie gives her a very, Veronica, a very perfunctory kiss and yeah. doesn't even say, I love you. And yeah. I think that's the first, to me, that was the first real inkling that Veronica has that something is very wrong. Well, I feel like that's the like alarm bell going off. I mm-hmm. feel like it's like, this is a little weird, but I'm going to sing the song. I'll, I'll go to this. And in this moment, she's like, mm, something's definitely up here. Yeah. yeah, I wrote down, no. <laughs> We're good at taking notes. I think that's yeah. the main takeaway here. Uh, Uncomfortable. To- no. <laughs> uh, so Cheryl and Tony uh, are in bed together. Cheryl wants to invite Tony's family for dinner pre-prom. Um, initially, I think uh, she thinks they don't like that she's gay is yeah. the yeah. first excuse that Tony gives. And then Tony, uh, basically Cheryl's like, so what? We're supposed to pretend that I'm not your girlfriend at graduation. And Tony's like, yeah, I think so. So I'm curious to get your guys' take on it. And I know this is kind of getting into the storyline at whole. I know I said this earlier. I was very frustrated to the point of anger at certain points in the storyline, particularly because it felt very out of character for Tony for me. Uh, The fact that Tony has been very out about her sexuality, that has been part of her storyline for seasons now. She is the one uh, that not pushed Cheryl to be out of the closet, but allowed her to be out of the closet and worked with her uh, to come around to realizing that she was a lesbian. Um, We have got no indication that she is afraid of anybody um, at any point. Uh, The only thing she has been afraid of, she's even chastised Cheryl sometimes about being like, Hey, Kevin's story of coming out, Moose's story of coming out, that's their story. You gotta stop. You gotta stop being so aggressive about it. Let people find themselves in their own time. Coupled with the fact that we have met, other than a grandfather, nobody in Tony's family until this episode, it was bizarre to me that so much weight was put on what Tony's family was thinking throughout the episode because I know this is Riverdale and I know we like take this episode by episode, but that's something that very specifically has not been built out throughout the show. So it felt like it was this big thing that suddenly came in and it crashed and knocked over the entire storyline. Um, wow. I'll probably reiterate this when we get to the final scenes with Shoddy uh, at the end of the prom, uh, but I was curious to get how you guys felt about it because obviously I had a very strong reaction to everything that went on sure like i understand what you're saying like you know to ask somebody to print pretend to be who they're not is uh, but the the twist is that it's not that it's because blossoms are awful people and that family has done horrible things to that town so it was like i i thought the twist was kind of like playing with emotions in a way that you, you know doesn't make sense sure uh 
But then the kind of reveal, I was like really relieved, like, oh, okay, yes, agreed. Blossoms are creepy as fuck. Like, I could understand someone being like, don't you dare get involved with that insane family. Are you out of your gourd? I heard she's been walking around with a dead person for way too long. (laughs) Well, and just to interrupt there, Pete, there's also, which they touch on later in the episode, when we finally meet Tony's relative, uh, back in, I think, season two, when we first met Tony, there was the whole thing where we found out the Blossoms had stolen the land from the Native Americans who had settled there. Yeah. Uh, Tony is uh, descended, at least in part, for their blood. So that's the whole thing going on as well. It's this bad blood thing that plays throughout Riverdale with everybody's relatives uh, going far back. Uh, Justin, you're going to say something. Yeah, I because uh, I hear your your um, your issues with it, um, but I agree with Pete. I, I like the swerve on it because then it, it ties more. It's not the expected issue that you think they're going to yeah. have. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it, it makes it harder for Cheryl to get around it because there's it's they have a real beef with her. And yeah. as opposed to it being just like her them being um, small minded and uh, biased, they like yeah. are like, well, you we have a longstanding problem with your family. And so that mm-hmm. makes the the problem like a little more a little larger and a little harder for them to deal with, which I think is good. And on the Tony side, like I definitely like it is a little bit of a contradiction to have her be sort of um, going around not being truthful. Um, but I also think that's a sensitive spot for her. It feels like her family has always been, I mean, in whether it's a logistics thing or maybe a little bit meta that we've never met them. If this was a real person in our lives, it's like, Hey, it's weird. We've never met your family. That means they're, they're keeping them out. It's a line there. And so I, whether that's purposeful or not in the story, I think it does track that she is very sensitive about the two sides of her life coming together. And also there's, there's there is something about somebody being their own person and someone being very individual with who they are. But then, you know, some families have that older person that you mm-hmm. love and respect that might be have a backwards belief in something, you know, and it's a it's a problem area for a lot of families and people trying to be who they are, but also feeling some obligation to family members. It's a tough yeah. thing. I mean, I think the I completely hear what you guys are saying. I think the issue for me really comes down to Justin, you're absolutely right. She's never talked about them. But if we ever got a hint at any point between season two and season five that there was something going on with Tony's family and with Cheryl, rather than it just popping up and resolving itself in the most negative way possible by the end of this episode, that would have worked a lot better for me. And mind you, again, we'll probably talk about this later, but I do think uh, they will probably follow it a little bit in subsequent episodes. I don't think we're done with this storyline, but take it as a whole, this coming up, becoming this enormous issue right now, was enormously aggravating for me. Well, I think it speaks to what Vanessa Morgan was maybe upset about. It's like, hey, you spring this story on the show without any lead up. Like maybe they shot a couple versions of this leading up to it, but it just got cut from the episode. Mm -hmm. These episodes are jam packed. And and so now to drop it like this is a little frustrating if it's not intentional. Um, and, and hopefully they can speak to that going forward. I feel like based on everything we've talked about from the sort of mm-hmm. entertainment news side of it, that they will. And also something you said in the earlier part of the episode is this show is insane and a fantasy and doesn't <laughs> deal with things well. Yeah, this is something they need to deal with realistically, in my opinion, though. So take that. Okay, yeah, and well, I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, and it seems like uh, hopefully they will. 
Yes. Uh, all right. We'll loop back into this again when I'll rant. And, In the uh, meantime, agree. back to the snuff film they made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, first we get Archie, Archie and Chaos cute sleepover scene. Very adorable. Would definitely watch more of that. Uh, Come but yeah, on. Kevin. What? The, the couple of lugs line was just so adorable. Like Chaos kind of like, hey, Archie, man, you got to embrace the fact that you're, you know, who you are. And, you know, it's some things... You just got to, you know, where this is who I thought it was very sweet and quick, but like really kind of was like here. It seemed like KO is in a better place. And Archie, you could be there. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Hashtag lug life. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I also love the fact that there was definitely no reason for KO to be sleeping on his floor, but I'm sure they have extra spare bedrooms and places for him to sleep in that house since they have people coming in and out all the time. Uh, But as you mentioned, we go over to the snuff film. Uh, Kevin talks to Bughead. Uh, They want to sell the snuff film. Uh, Obviously, David at the video store is going to recognize Jughead. They've interacted before. Kevin says, you had me at snuff film. Great. Uh, And then we get the scene uh, that we mentioned earlier. Tony talks to her nana. Uh, Cheryl stopped by very classic Cheryl just going ahead and doing the thing anyway, which exacerbates the situation. I wish we had seen that scene because I know I'm harping on this, but one of the other things that was frustrating for me is the only scene we got with Tony's Nana was one scene of her sitting in a chair and being really angry. I don't blame the actress at all, but the fact that it was like in the middle of the episode, we didn't get to see the Cheryl scene. We didn't get to see anything afterwards. It, It felt like there was something off about the structure there. Yeah. And I think we can only hope they have more of that coming down the pipeline. Yes. Uh, So David, over to the video store in the snuff film storyline, recognizes Kevin and Betty kind of, of course, because of course he does, uh, looks at the snuff film, immediately realizes uh, not real at all. And then Betty hands him a videotape of Hal Cooper that we saw back in season two at the end, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. which was the birth of the Black Hood. That is where basically his parents turned him into the Black Hood, and David loves it and immediately gives them tickets to a little film festival slash rave that he's organizing. Yeah, and I I like this um, little twist here. Uh, it has, sort of has some dark Betty undertones, um, to your point, Pete. Um, the fact that she's like, this stuff film's cool, but let me bring some, let me bring a big gun yeah, in the old back just, pocket. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Betty uh, thinking ahead knows like, all right, this isn't going to work. Well, I, I need think that backup. also, it points to the desperation that Betty has at this point, like that she is willing to give that thing up that yeah. plays on our emotions so much as we see mm-hmm. at the, uh, what is it called? Film society screening that happens later on. Uh, that's yeah. a big deal. So I, I was surprised, though, that Jughead and Betty didn't have a little bit of a talk of like, hey, we're probably going to see ourselves up on some of these screens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to get real weird. Like, I was hoping a little prep talk, but it didn't happen. Yeah, didn't happen. Uh, And then we get a classic, a Riverdale classic. Archie fighting in a boxing match interspersed with more fighting and other things going on. Here, Archie is fighting KO. Uh, Meanwhile, Betty and Jughead uh, go into... The Film Society, Betty goes in the front door, sneaks Jughead in the back door. Um, So I don't know if I was missing something, but it was weird to me that they mentioned very specifically that Hal's film was playing in room 317, but that isn't anything. As far as I could tell, I think it's a One Direction fanfic on Wattpad, but that's it. I looked this up as well, found the One Direction thing. Maybe there's a huge fan. I also think it's um, a song or uh, in lyrics from Miss Saigon. 
Oh. And so I think maybe that's the reference. Okay. It was weird to me that it didn't, what's the room from The Shining? Is that 237 it, or something 237, like that? 237, yes. 237. When I Googled the room 317, there was a lot of The Shining, and I, but it was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. absolutely inaccurate. Plus, yeah. they, in Ready Player One, they talk about that room a lot. So, Oh, yeah. It was probably a Ready Player One reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, well, they, that actually they explains the, why the Iron Giant showed up later on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want. I can't believe he didn't get prom robot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, I did like how the uh, the last line was like the you know they used the line from the lyrics. I thought that was cool. Wait, what do you mean? Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So they wander through, and we do get to see various videos that have made throughout the show, which I thought was awesome. Very cool. The Tickle video is playing. Very fun. Again, we're still waiting for someone to um, pledge the amount of money for our Tickle video to be released. Mm -hmm. $5,000, patreon.com slash comic book club. Pete will tickle anybody. He doesn't care about coronavirus or anything. He'll come to your house and tickle you and breathe in your face. I refuse to do that. Too much? Maybe a little too much. Uh, so Betty sees house tape. She zones out a little bit. Uh, and then this is the moment we were referring to earlier. She sees the auteur tapes. Uh, Jughead immediately is like, Hey, are you the director? Are you the director? Gets in everybody's face. Oh my God. Great. Great detective work right there. Amazing. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes used to do that, I believe. Yeah, exactly. He was known for that. Very stupid, but good at yelling. Yeah. Sherlock I Holmes. I did like slash hate that they recognized Betty from the ponytail playmate uh, video. Yeah. That was just, yeah. I appreciated that detail. Uh, and then they go up and they see an owl with a camera and they're like, aha, that's uh, the auteur. That's, yeah. well, that's suspicious. Owls, don't trust the owls. That's a Twin Peaks reference. Um, mm. Oh, is it? The, owl, the owls, uh, I forget the actual line, but um, it's uh, don't trust the owls or something. I like thought that. it was a Batman crossover Court of Owls reference. Mm. I'm going to guess it's probably the Twin Peaks thing just because. Uh, the owls are not what they seem. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that almost definitely is what it is. Um, Though I thought it was funny that they immediately just identify the owl. They're like, that's our guy. There we go. Quick, grab him. Find out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop. (laughs) 100%. Now, we see Jelly Bean here. Yes. Right after we see the owl. I mean, come on. <laughs> she so Jughead takes Jellybean out. Betty goes after the owl. They miss it. Uh, we'll don't like back to what happens up. in the middle. But uh, Jellybean and Bughead are pops, and she's like, "Whoa, I've never been to a red light rave before. I got it from a friend, a ticket from a friend at soccer practice, and I trust that because, as we all what? know, fucked up shit happens behind the scenes at soccer practice." Yes, that's a very suspicious game. Don't put that all on soccer. That's any kind of practice. No, no, no. I used to play soccer as a kid. This is 100% true. I don't believe that. And then at the, if we won the tournament, we were told we could get a pizza party and get to go to go to a uh, red light rave. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of soccer teams celebrate the end of the season by making a snuff film. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie Ladybugs? The director's (laughs) cut, not the one that was released theatrically. Yeah, they murder Rodney Dangerfield at the end of that. Yeah, he's like, I had no respect. As he's dying. Come on. Pete hates this. Uh, Uh, Yep. So, yeah, you're pretty convinced that it's Jelly Bean off of this, even though she completely I mean, I've been convinced for a while that Jelly... They're keeping Jelly Bean in this story for some reason. She popped up at the beginning of this episode. She's at the rave. And she has sort of a shitty excuse for why she's there. <laughs> a very so, shitty excuse. There, what reason are they doing this? 
except for her involvement in this is yeah. what my question is. Because well, I know we, had, we, were, we were pushing Charles and Chick for a long time. Yeah. They have been sort of excised from the story in a lot of ways. Charles is still around and he's a little weird, but he's mostly just like, you know, sliding Half Betty in different directions. Half being a uh, FBI agent is yeah, what he's so, doing. And I'm not saying he's not involved, um, but I do think that uh, Jellybean yeah. is just so likely to me. Yeah. I mean, the other possibility, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but the other possibility could be she was thrown in here specifically because there is suspicion on her and to get that suspicion off, to like get past that particular suspect by writing to off this episode. Never, to say you've never been to a rave and then you go to a snuff film fucking dungeon <laughs> rave? No, you got to know somebody to get in there. You can't go to soccer practice one time and get an invite to this. This It doesn't make any fucking sense. Now, I don't know. The goalies have tickets to fucked up stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. She didn't say anything about a goalie. If she would have said a goalie, I would have believed it. Yeah. They're under <laughs> constant pressure. Um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, I think it's going to pin back on like there are consequences to the people in your lives for ha- being in Riverdale, dealing with all this violence in their lives. And Jellybean has been sort of uh, her mind's been warped by it. And she is that's what the outdoor stuff is about. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. I think that certainly, despite what I'm saying, makes the most sense at this point. Uh, let's get back to the Archie storyline. Sad ending to this one. KO wins the fight. Not Every- yet. Everybody is bummed out. Uh, the commandant says, KO's well, well, a giant, and he's been training as a boxer. As soon as KO shows up, it was like, I've been training to be a boxer since I was like three or whatever. Like, there's no way Archie should win that fight. I'm glad. Archie's like, I'm a songwriter, football player, lowercase b boxer. Uh, I fought some people in an alleyway once or twice. You ever fought a bear, KO? (laughs) Stupid. KO's like, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. I won. We went out for cheesesteaks afterwards. Uh, so I really like this line as well. The commandant is actually being very nice and everybody's like, yo, Archie, calm down. Our commandant's like, his blood's up. It's cool. Yeah. I get it. Um, son, you can apply in the fall. And Archie says, I'm not your son. Um, and I know we mention this every time, obviously awful real life circumstances, but I appreciate the fact that they keep hitting this part of Archie's storyline because it gives it a really good emotional grounding. And it also yeah. makes sense that, like, right after he lost, uh, you know, you're angry that you would just be like, fuck you, you know, just kind of blow up, set things ablaze. I thought, like, there have been a lot of crazy Archie moments or, or times where Archie's flown off the handle. I felt like this at least really made sense to why he would say and do those things. Uh, so then we get a scene with Tony and Cheryl. Tony confronts Cheryl. She's pissed off about Cheryl going to talk to her nana. Cheryl is also pissed, uh, finds out, as we talked about earlier, that the reason was because she's a blossom, not because of the whole LGBTQ thing. Uh, she wants to go to prom with her. Ta- Tony seems conflicted here. She's not quite sure. Um, this scene, in the midst of everything, this scene worked for me. Because it was very classic Cheryl putting herself in a situation where she didn't belong, ramping things up. Tony would be rightly upset about that. So even though I was not a huge fan of the whole storyline, I think this scene emotionally worked very well. And also it like made sense to what happened later, the way Cheryl was just like, I know how much this means to you. We can kind of go through with this. 
Well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it, it was just surprising, I think, more because Tony always puts up with Cheryl's stuff like mm-hmm. this. And the fact that she hit a breaking point this episode, I, I was surprised by this. Yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely jumping ahead. But the the stuff that happens at the end of the episode, to me, felt like Tony always chooses Cheryl. Don't. I don't know. I don't know why. She would ever choose her family that we've never met before over Cheryl. That doesn't track for me. That doesn't make sense. What? At all. If you make a reach a breaking point, though, with somebody, then that. Sure, this is I, this is Cheryl's behavior. Her, like she knows who it. Cheryl is at this point. They've already been through this. Alex, are you familiar with what a breakup is? No, nope, I never have. Did wow. one person marry them? Yeah. We Where obviously did, we've what? never had a breakup. We've been <laughs> together for. 14 years. There you go. That's the relationship I was referring to. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, my Archie... first marriage is to this podcast. My second is to my wife and children. Right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. My priorities. Uh, so Archie is bummed and sweaty. Uh, Veronica apologizes about setting this up. She wishes she'd never done it. Says Naval Academy wasn't uh, his only option. He's like, yeah, it kind of was actually. Uh, Veronica, again, really good on this storyline. I think her being like, do you want to blow off prom? We don't have to do this. And Archie's yeah. saying, no, this is our last chance maybe to really be with our friends and dance with them. Really like the scene overall. And I think there's notes of what is going on with them here, but it felt very true to the characters at the same time. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it just sets everything up that we're about to talk about perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so then Cheryl is in her dress. Nana's about to take a picture. Tony comes in. Cheryl says, oh, Tony, you came. And Tony says, was there any doubt? And this, to me, was the resolution of the storyline. Like in any other episode, this would have been the end here, and we would kind of move on from there. Obviously, yep. there's a bit more, uh, but I like this quite a bit. This track to me, I was like, oh, okay, that's good. We, we got to this point we're supposed to get to. But... Then we get a great montage of everybody getting ready for the prom, which is very cute. Uh, we mentioned the Shoney thing. Uh, Archie talks to Hiram. Hiram's like, hey, do you want to be deputy bear? Again, <laughs> no. wild, uh, but makes perhaps the most sense of anything that's been laid at Archie's feet. Um, him staying in town and being uh, like sort of bearing the standard of Fred Andrews. And also, speaking of Archie's feet, he was rotten. Rockin' Chucks, which was a uh, classic. And the line that really stuck out for me here is smile and say endgame. Yes. Whoo! I kiss of death. I'll tell you what. We haven't been huge fans about the overuse of the word endgame on the show. Like, you get one, but yeah. three, four, maybe too much. This one worked for me. I was okay oh. with this one. Wow. Well, this one was the, the twist in the wound. It was yes. like yeah, taking that was it the, the end game uh, moniker and really burning it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Betty and Jughead, another very sweet getting ready for prom oh, scene. Pete. Jughead. Go uh, come on. Jughead being like, you take my breath away. Just unbelievable. I mean, oh. I, just setting us up for disaster. My notes to f- echo yours from earlier was this is stressful. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't necessarily get that from this scene. Like I think yeah. no, I, it's going into the next scene is yes. where I was like, but "This is it was all a co- very, I, very sweet, nice moment, and yes. they belong together." I mean, very much like these. This montage felt like the calm before the storm, or sort of mm-hmm. like that picture perfect prom that we all had in our heads before you go to the actual prom, and then we go there. And I was very surprised we got all the prom stuff 
right here. I thought it was yeah. going to be the whole new episode. All yeah, episode. me too. Uh, but I did appreciate just a little note, not a ton of phallus in this episode, but them taking the pictures, very cute. Them dancing like a bunch of parent dorks later on, also very cute. We need yeah. more of it, particularly because we know we're losing Skeet Ulrich in two episodes' time. But uh, just it was nice to see them. It was nice that they got those cute little parent moments. F Palace. F Palace. And then uh, uh, also appreciate the Betty coming down the stairs and immediately after that, they're going to kiss me by Sixpence and the Richer, giving a shout out to She's All That. Right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. That or tracks. just a shout out to that song uh, being popular when I'm a guessing the writers and uh, creators of this show when they were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But there's the whole thing with Rachel Lee Cook coming down the stairs and uh, yes. Kiss Me no, starts playing. Come on, man. You're right. Come on. No, I, your knowledge of uh, 90s teen movies where, <laughs> is, is borders un, un, Yeah, exactly. Well, worrisome is what I was going to say. Yes, and then fair. speaking of 90s teens, uh, someone had to spike the punch and it was Reggie. Yes, Reggie spiked it with Fizzle Rocks, I believe. So everybody's yeah. going to have crazy hallucinations. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, only on Riverdale is someone spiked the punch with a hallucinogenic drug that we don't understand. <laughs> yeah. The consequences and it of. plays out in the episode, not at all. Yep, yeah, not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get a nice montage. Everybody's dancing. I think, you know, I'm sure everybody would have wanted more prom, but I appreciated the fact that, like, we took the moment to see everybody slow dancing, everybody in their dresses, everybody going through the prom stuff. This is about as much time as Riverdale can spare for this sort of thing, but at least it wasn't last season's dance, which felt perfunctory compared to everything else. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. And I like the parents are all at the prom, very small town thing. The small town where my family's from, the parents watching the bleachers above the gym, all of their children at the prom. Uh, Well, that's, that's creepy. (laughs) I Uh, went, when my brother went to prom with the the girl he was dating from up way upstate there, we went and sat in the bleachers and I was like, this is weird. Yeah. (laughs) And this way, why would you do that? Uh, Uh, then better than TV. Uh, what? I don't know if that's true. Uh, yeah, then by Kevin, the way, this is probably a good time to mention we have a recap podcast for everybody's proms you should check out called Prom yeah. After Dark. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Gets, I don't think we do have that. Gets uh, uh, fucked up quick. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin gives a sweet toast. Uh, well, I wanted to mention before you get to the toast, which is way down there, Pete. Uh, oh, no, sorry, that is first. Track. Kevin does the sweet toast about surviving the town. You're right. I skipped yeah. over the note. My apologies. Uh, everybody slow dances. Uh, and then we get another heartbreaking but great scene with Veronica yeah. and Archie as they're dancing. Uh, she reveals, of course, the deputy mayor thing was her plan. She's going to defer Barnard for a year. And that's the thing that breaks Archie. He yeah. confesses the carry of the torch was Betty. Uh. He says they kissed once. It's over. Loved how the scene was played out. Loved the honesty from Archie, the fact that he did it for Veronica and came out there. Her slow realization that this is true and that what's happening, followed immediately by the interruption of the prom queens. Every time they cut to them, them just standing there coiled, uh, excruciating, but great. And especially excruciating, and I love this choice, that Varchie knows Bughead does not. Like yeah. that, I thought was just so much more devastating um, in that moment because it's just pinned so hard. And then you see Betty realize something's wrong. Like the way it moved through the group, like um, yeah, like the tremors of an earthquake, I thought was really great. And the way they're forced to dance together uh, and just like, oh, that moment was just, oh, yeah, they did a great job on that whole sequence. 
and of course, fade into you, the ultimate um, fucked up romantic song to play <laughs> uh, is what we get here. Uh, and then we get the reveal of the prom queens, who, of course, are Cheryl and Tony, because nobody else was running, <laughs> which yeah. maybe cuts into the victory a little bit. Uh, but still, it was nice to see them up there. They get the crowns. And then we get a very sweet uh, moment where Cheryl says uh, they are Riverdale's first openly gay royal couple, but they wouldn't mean anything about their friends. And this is also definitely digging in the knife. Uh, but from their perspective, very sweet, inviting uh, Bughead and Kangs and yeah. uh, Varchi to dance with them. Uh, very good, but awful at the same time. Yeah, uh, poor timing. Yeah, Veronica and Archie look strung out at that point. Yeah. Uh, but of course, it gets interrupted in classic Riverdale fashion. Uh, the music cuts. It's the rave. Psycho Killer plays. Everybody thinks, oh, business is normal. They don't notice the footage of everybody in character masks dancing around the owl and stabbing them until Betty and Jughead cut it out. Uh, does this still cut it out? Yes. Thank you, Pete. Uh, does this still point to your jelly bean theory? If it happens to prom, given that we don't see jelly bean anywhere here. Hell yeah, it does. Yeah, there's no, I mean, I don't think it, it, uh, it proves or disproves it. The fact that it was at prom. I think the fact that it's at prom is, means it was done by someone who knows how important prom is to everybody. Yeah, I think it's a great place to get your revenge. Everybody knows Jay Beans hates the prom, and this is kind of like her, like, fuck you, fuck your institution, Mm -hmm. fuck you, think Mm -hmm. you're better than everybody. I'm taking it all away. Jay Beans. Classic Jay Beans. Uh, We also got a quick shot, which I thought was very weird. Peaches and Cream was also there. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Yeah. But she's like in one shot. Uh, I feel like either user or don't user, but kind of make a decision there. It's weird. It's a tease. A a character that was like, I'm important to this show. And it was like, nope. (laughs) Not turns out maybe not. Uh, But hopefully maybe it's an indication that we will see. Yeah, Yeah. More to come. Uh, we also should probably talk about while we're still on the prom, the fact that K.O. Kelly comes to prom with them. Why not? Adorable. <laughs> pop, pop into a random prom. <laughs> and no matter how old you are, it's always fun to pop into a prom. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I also appreciate that he's like, yeah, I'm not going to wear a suit jacket. Yeah. Yep. No, hey, you guys, uh, you guys promming over here? Yeah, 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 I get it. I'm yeah. from Queens. Yeah, all good. Whatever. Let's you, have you, a little you're fun. Picking, you, you got prom queens? I'm from Queens. And he's so even I in the it. toast. Kevin being like, hey, to all of you. Also, K.O. Kelly, who is also here in the background. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so that's the end of prom. Kevin says, what the hell just happened? Uh, and then we get to the thing that is so frustrating for me. The Tony and Cheryl scene. Tony and Cheryl talk in the hallway. Tony says, I can't go home with you. Uh, Tony doesn't get home by midnight. Uh, Her nana will never talk to her again. Uh, Family is the most important thing. Sheller thanks her for the night, says she'll always remember this. The last note as she goes home is crying on Nana Blossom's lap and says, I guess uh, me and Tony won't end up together. I'm meant to be alone. Uh, This is the part that, like turned me into that dude from up with the flames on my head because I was like, there is no world. There is no world where Tony chooses her dad. Her dad is like ultimatum. I'm choosing Nana over Cheryl. That just would not happen with the Tony that we've known over the past couple of seasons. Well, all blossoms spend some amount of their, their, uh, their lives living in the walls of a mansion. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. So yes, I think that, it's her turn continuity to, wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's her turn to be a wall walker. Oh. <laughs> Are you talking about the Lewis Black character with this? Uh, yeah, you're talking about the uh, Inside Out guy. Inside Out guy. Yeah. 
Okay. Yes. All right. You said oh, you up? said up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I lost everything you said after that because I was yeah, still sorry, trying to I was talking it, about but... the dog from up. Like that's what I turned into. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, like squirrel. I hid under your porch squirrel. because I love you. <laughs> wow. Good impression. <laughs> Thank you. Very good impression. Uh, Slight sidetrack to what we were actually talking about. Um, I agree with you that this felt a little. We need this to be happening for the plot, and it happened sort of quickly. And I don't know what this means for Cheryl because Cheryl, of anybody, doesn't want to be alone. Like she, her whole thing has been, I need to be around people who aren't my family because my family is bad. I, I don't know why you, uh, you know, turned into Lewis Black. I feel like this was a classic. Like, uh, there's an issue. Cheryl completely overreacts. I think that, like, hopefully, what's going to happen is that Cheryl is going to win over the family, but. Uh, I think it's just Cheryl kind of being like, it's over, you know, she couldn't come home with me. Um, and I think it's it's not a, as bad as she thinks. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, the second time I watched it through, I felt like, okay, maybe there is this interpretation where it's Cheryl being Cheryl and Tony saying, oh, I just got yeah. a book out for the night. And Cheryl being yeah. like, well, I guess we're broken up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. So that is possible as well. But on first watch, that was the part that I was super furious about because to the points that you're making, Cheryl does not care about her family that way. And Tony would not be like, no, I'm going with your ultimatum. So none of that necessarily made sense. I mean, she did the whole thing. She went to the prom. They wanted. She did all this for her. She's got to be home by midnight. Like, fucking shut the fuck up. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Now you're taking it too far, buddy. Uh, All okay, right, I'm just mean, saying, future like, mean dad over here. Uh, so let's start Respect to wrap this up. Uh, there's only a couple more things that happened in the episode, uh, but they're big things. Veronica and Archie talk in the music room. He, of course, took her there to the place that he's had sex with multiple oh people. Uh, in order to <laughs> pretty I feel comfortable here in this sex room where music happens, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Veronica, and I, again, I know I keep saying the same thing, but I love this conversation. I love the maturity of it, the fact that they're, clearly on the brink of crying, but they realize this, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but this was like, I felt like a classic high school thing that I experienced with several steady couples in my friend group where they reached a point where they're like, I don't know what we're going to do after graduation. We probably should break up, but let's stay together until after graduation just to keep things steady. And then we'll move on from there. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, I, that didn't happen to a lot of people in my life, but I get I get what they're doing, especially Veronica. She's someone who wants to. She's like, I can control my emotions. I can't control dealing with everyone else weighing mm-hmm. in on it. So I would much rather keep it um, sort of a secret, which I, I thought it was a very strong character move. I really like Veronica's line where she was saying, I don't want to continue having this conversation because I'm afraid of where it's going to go. Well, and also the fact that they don't want to blow up Bughead. I mean, that's obviously coming in some way. There's no way around it. But that was also a Or it decision. makes Bughead stronger. Just no. makes them stronger. No. I'm so As sorry. As they grow ah. and stay the solidified. Uh, but yeah, Varchi kind of staying together for the kids until graduation yeah. happens. Oh, boy. Uh, and then we cut over to the video store. Nobody's there. There's just an owl mask and some weird signs and cameras, so they've missed them. Uh, we got a quick scene of Veronica crying alone, Hermione, with uh, some sort of oh. delightful-looking drink. Because uh, he has to real. beat people to stay alive, and Veronica just gave him the go-ahead to beat the shit out of Archie. I mean, Hiram, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, she doesn't see him there, but Hiram, that was definitely the oh shit moment. Hiram is going to kill you. You have a supervillain dad. You know that if you say things out loud or he sees and hears all. Uh, yeah. And the last little bit, we get uh, Bughead is talking to Charles. David is on the run. They're not sure that he's the voyeur or the auteur, but they do know that there's going to be more videotapes. They're going to wait and see what happens. And whatever happens next might bring things to the breaking point. That's when Archie gets a video reenacting the Black Hood, putting the gun to his head and pops oh. way back at the, I believe, end of season one, right? Uh, right. And uh, that is clearly going to set him off in some way as we enter the beginning of season five, but the end game of season four. Man. Ooh, you're really using the term end game a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I stop. thought this was, um, it's interesting that this was the tape that uh, ends the episode. It makes me think whoever the auteur is, uh, perhaps Jay Beans, it's really about getting revenge on them as a group and individually. Now, why is that? Do you think none of them played Minecraft with her? She was upstairs (laughs) waiting for them to play Minecraft for months. Nobody brought her food, water, anything. Um, Do you think uh, revenge? revenge. Yeah. Minecraft revenge. Do you think it's a, because is she protecting, if it is jelly beans, is she like getting revenge on the people that have hurt Jughead? Oh, that's interesting. But it was just, I was like, man, Archie is just having a rough night, man. Goes from getting the shit kicked out of him to then breaking up and then this fucking creepy video. I was like, man, we're Classic prom night. Yeah. That's what I did after my prom night. It's like, fortunately, Archie has a. We're all going to watch a fucked up video. I mean, that's sort of true in a lot of ways. I think uh, since Archie has a goldfish memory, I think he's fine. Oh, okay. Uh, so there we go. That is the first episode back of Woo-hoo! Riverdale. Before we wrap up here, who is the MVP of the episode? I, I think I already said who mine is, so I, I can go yeah. first. But Veronica. Clearly, it's going to be Veronica for you, Alex, K.O. Kelly for Pete, leaving <laughs> me to choose someone else. Yes. But uh, I will say just I think uh, Camila Mendez played this whole episode excellently. Beautiful singing as usual with Carrie the Torch, but the emotional uh, roller coaster that she went through throughout the episode was really good. It was really a well written storyline. I think KJ Appa as Archie is like a close second there, just in terms of being the relationship. But the reactions that went over her face over the course of the episode, I thought were fantastic. Uh, and I love the decision at the end. I think, it, like I said, really smart, mature decision. I like that a bit. Um, Pete. Do you want to jump in and say the thing that we already know you're going to say? Sure. Yes. I would uh, like to give honorable mention to Betty because Betty all day or every day. Uh, but K.O. Kelly was just such a nice, refreshing uh, thing uh, to bring into this cast. This precious little light, you know, that hopefully Ru- Riverdale won't ruin. What about you, Justin? Have you figured out your third option? <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with you. Veronica really was the standout this episode, but I'll pick Archie. Archie was the most Archie um, of all this episode, and it really proves what uh, – like we talk a lot about how fast Riverdale moves, the pace of the show, and how much yeah. happens. And I think Archie's inability to conceal deceit is a main a big motivator of that. And it's really nice to see in this, the, prom episode, the prom section of this episode was so strong, so stressful. The fact that he instigated that, I thought, was was great. 
Good stuff. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're very excited to be talking about yeah. the show once again. And it seems like it's going to be going nonstop for a bunch of weeks here before it takes a break a couple of months down the road. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, a couple of places to find us, patreon.com slash comic book club for all of our tickle videos. Uh, we do a live show every <laughs> Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast at YouTube. And would love to talk to you about Riverdale. Come hang out on the comic book club channel on YouTube iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show socially at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, at Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. After dark. We back, baby!